here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonald. Some really good sunflower seed content, Damon, that our listeners have missed out on just because we just didn't hit recording time and we ended up having just a brilliant conversation that is never going to see the light of day. Well, I could. I mean, I could, I could, we could rehash it. I, th- I still think it has legs, life and legs, um, but I, I definitely have a theory about uh, the the ability to eat a sunflower seeds and the ability to perform oral sex on a woman, I truly believe it. Um, it's it you know you, have, you you play with it with your mouth. You got to get the seed out. You're flipping it with your tongue. Uh, Joel, you pointed out there is some sucking going on. I'm telling you, <laughs> <laughs> we we are starting off strong here today, ladies and gentlemen. It's six o'clock in the morning for me. Uh, but I, I, I you know listen, there's a, there there is a skill. To eating a sunflower seed and then spitting out the seed. You know, there's a lot that going on there. Now, again, I don't think that there are actual legitimate skills needed. But uh, I, I think it just shows some dexterity on uh, a, a person's part. Um, and, and again, and I, you know, I, think, uh, I think it goes both ways for, uh, both the, uh, for all genders, should I say. So, uh, yes, I do believe that... Um, there is something there to that. Something there to that. I don't believe it's a direct correlation, but uh, I, I think there's something there. All right. See? All right. See you next week, everyone. Good night. Andrew, that was a pretty quick uh, edit, right? <laughs> didn't, have to, didn't have to do much for the show. Yeah. Everyone's away on holiday this week. Well, no, Dan's not on holiday. Editor Dan's away. So the brilliant Andrew T. Rich is going to be doing our editing for us today because you fucked it up last time. It's not <sighs> your fault because it's a hard business, but... We, we'd rather stay clear of it. Yeah, I, 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 because I got too much things to do. I got three things to do today, and it's overwhelming to me. Uh, the three things. You'll affordable. have to write them down, make, make them in a list. Oh, my God. I have a big check box, a big box waiting to be checked. Uh, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming me. And, um, and I remembered I was going to be editing. I was like, oh, fuck, am I going to have time for this? And blah, blah, blah. But then here we go. Swooping in for the save is the great uh, Andrew Rich, who, in my own mind, quite honestly, should be a Hall of Famer. But okay. Well, you know, that's, a, that's a discussion can we just, for can another we put day. Him in? Let's put him in. He's in the Hall of yeah, Fame. fuck it. I'm making He's in the Hall of Fame? Decision. All right. Yeah. Fine. Congratulations, Andrew Rich, the newest member of the Super J cast all thing. Is it literally, is this is going to be just like a blue ribbon at this point? <laughs> just, we're just going to, or, or a certificate. No, 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 we've got an amnesty on Hall of Fame call-ups until next year. Okay, until, we're done. Maybe until our next, next birthday, maybe. Okay, yeah. 
right. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to dilute it too much. It's so important. It's so, so, it's like it's like the Nobel Peace Prize for Christ's sake. All right. Uh, there is a lot of news to get to, Joel. Aside from uh, uh, performing oral sex on a woman, <laughs> there's news to get to. Uh, yeah, I, can I just apologize in advance if my audio quality is not up to its usual standards because I'm not at home. So if it's a bit echoey or if there's interruptions, don't blame me. You want, you right, want to tell, um, wait, no, no, no. You want to, you want to tell, uh, you want to tell where you are now, Mister, uh, Mister uh, World Traveler, Mister uh, Jet Setter. You want to tell them where you are now? I am in a beautiful place called Sanya, which is like the Hawaii of China. It's beautiful, Dave, and I spent all day just relaxing by the swimming pool on the beach, having a little swim in the sea. Jesus. And now I've got to coop myself up in a hotel room to talk about fucking Japanese wrestling for two and a half hours, where I should be on the beach with a cocktail with my lovely wife. Oh, what am I doing? I, I, look, you are so dedicated that you would, that you would even, that you would even think of doing this, let alone doing it. But, uh, I know thousands upon thousands of people hang on your every word, every, your beans and toast, every word. <laughs> Is, is, is they're hanging on it and uh oh i'm so jealous i saw some of these pictures jesus christ i the guy living a life the guy's a teacher I'm like how are you how is this happening um international schools and anyone out there just get on it it's an absolute gravy train oh my god my best life yeah all you gotta do is put up with a bunch of snotty kids for a little bit and away you go wow i sit here and, and i'm 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 begging and scratching i got I got listeners paying for trips to Dallas. This guy's sitting on a fucking beach. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, look, God you know damn what it. I should have brought the recording equipment literally down to the beach. I should oh, be recording yeah. this from a beachside bar. That would be fun. That would. That's the idea. I, I, I can't believe you didn't do that, to be honest. I'm sitting in my office. Everyone, can you be quiet, please? I'm doing something important here. Keep it down, sir. Please stop clinking those glasses. Those Can delicious- you mix my cocktail a bit more quietly, please? please. You're being awfully rude. Right, right. You, I'm doing an award-winning podcast here on 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 New Japan Pro Wrestling. No, not no, 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 sir. We do not cover all of pro wrestling. Just one promotion. Thank you very much. Oh, gross. What so awards good. have we won? We haven't won any awards. We keep saying that. We're not an award-winning podcast at all. Oh, we are. Well, I, I, I've decreed it. I've, 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 you, you, <laughs> the, the award is my... It's, it's, it's like the Super J-Cast Hall of Fame. Uh, it's just... Um, I award it. It's, it's an award. My award... My... Uh, uh, it's like... It's like a... Uh, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. I do. I do a podcast. <laughs> is shit. It is shit, but it's okay. I love it. I don't care. I'm going to listen back and I'm going to laugh. I lo- I, I'm having a great time. Right. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen back to this and just laugh and laugh, just like Jan Brady. And I, look, the awards, um, are important. They're the the, the we won the most important From massive egos. Yeah, yeah. We've won the most important. <laughs> podcasting award there is and that is our listeners hearts yeah i was just trying to eat a sunflower seed there but i had to spit it out and abandon it because i thought you were going to go longer go for a long rant no i'm holding a very wet sunflower seed in my fingers so let me start off and uh give big congratulations to the military industrial suplex who is follower number 2000 on the twitter um let's open up with a question here uh from our discord the real 
CH3. So you'll have to explain this one to me. Did you not address your pending litigation on the advice of your attorney? What's oh, going on there, David? Oh, my God. You know what? I don't think I even showed you. Did I show you these? these? I, I'm gonna, no. I have it right here. I have it right here. I have it right, he- right here in my hand. Joel, we are being sued. I did not want to tell you this. I did not want to bring you, get you upset. I did not want to make you worried. Uh, you have a lot going on in your life. You have uh, you know, beach uh, property that you need to attend to, apparently. and okay. a bag of sunflower seeds to eat. Yep, yep, yep. Well, listen, that's in jeopardy right now. That's in jeopardy right now. That life, that lavish lifestyle you're leading, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit, little bit on, on ice because we are being sued. I got a statement of claim, it says here. Statement of claim. That seems important. And it's from the Supreme Court of New South Wales. Now, where the fuck that is, who knows? But it seems official because it's on paper. And it's really looking very official. Um, The plaintiff, as it says here, is Kyle James Dombach. Now, Kyle, that name might ring a bell to you. Remember ring a bell to you, Joel? Yeah, I was remembering a certain cheeky chappy who dragged me along to uh, a bad luck Farley uh, party <laughs> the night before Wrestle Kingdom. Exactly. Now we so should... I could counter sue here. Yeah, we're. Yeah, I was going to say we 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 might want to look at the counter suing because we probably spent more money than we should have at that nonsense. And I and I directly blame him. I directly blame him for that because because correct me if I'm wrong, it was his idea. Uh, yeah, we are being sued. For the amount of uh, just this, I, I I'm uh, uh, damages, interest, interest, costs. The amount claimed is seven hundred and fifty thousand, I believe, U.S. interest, filing fees, uh, wait, eleven hundred dollars in filing fees. The fuck out of here. Uh, but he did, did give us zero service fees. Um, basically, it's a document outlining, and it's really well done, actually. He goes on and the pleadings and particulars uh, about how basically we made mention to him being a fussy fan, uh, a fussy pro wrestling fan in quotes. He did, uh, which led to ridicule. Well, you said that, not me. Correct. So already, I'm washing my hands. Ah, well, that is in the background, fucking I, blow drying her hair. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> really? Well, listen, I got news for you, Abraham. He does point out at the 1 hour and 16 minute and 25 second mark of the July 1st episode of the podcast, Abraham labels the defendant as, quote, a hardcore gatekeeper type. (laughs) You are on this suit. A label which carries heavy negative connotations within the professional wrestling community and many other subsets of popular culture. You are on this document. Joel, oh, fuck. He, he's right. got me there. We're fucked. I, I, I don't think we got a leg to stand on. All right, I think the only thing we got is that countersuit uh, for, yeah, for uh, mental and physical hardships uh, for this Fale bar situation. Because I, I, I think I have lung cancer with all the smoke I inhaled. Uh, that and the trauma of having to take a picture with bad luck Fale. <laughs> And having that picture on the internet is just a really awful. I'm picture. pretty sure he he did a bad luck fall on me through a table in that bar. Or am I misremembering? No, I th- I remember that vividly. 
I remember that vividly. I remember you walking up to him and extending your hand and saying, Mr. Fale, you uh, are one of my favorite professional wrestlers, and I appreciate everything you do. And he spit on you, picked you up in the bad luck fall, and put you through a table. I remember it vividly. And then handed me a notice that he's going to sue me for slander. Yep. <laughs> one of my podcasts. <laughs> right, he should be slagging off one of his matches. Well, maybe we can just give Kyle the podcast and he can rebrand it as the elitist, hardcore, pro rest gatekeeper podcast. Noah, or something no, like that. the Noah. The I've Noah, done it again. Oh, shit. Yeah, I know. For fuck. The Noah experience or something. I don't know. Well, actually, uh, Claire would do that because uh, she's the expert in, in that household. Let's be honest here, right? <laughs> That's yeah, and all of the Noah fans in the world will listen to that. Both of them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Both of them. Oh, jeez. Oh, so hurtful. I, I we jest. I yeah, jest. we're kidding. Noah's okay. It's okay. Yes, please. All right. Uh, look, we spent a lot of goofiness. We spent 12 minutes of goofiness. But we got some, uh, we got some hot topics we got to cover. And I don't, I'm not talking about T-shirts. I'm talking about pro wrestling. And I'm talking about New Japan pro wrestling. And I'm talking about... G1, and I'm talking about other news that you will lead us to the light. Question from Control says, what have you heard in regards to Chris Charlton and whether or not Meltzer's report about him being told to shut up is accurate? So this was on um, Wrestling Observer Radio. Uh, Apparently, Chris Charlton is now to provide translations only, not to commentate on NJPW World broadcasts. Uh, because it's apparently not New Japan's decision. It's made by the TV people at TV Asahi. Dave speculates that Chris doesn't have the look or sound that people look for in a commentator, and that's why he's been told to stick to translating. Well, um, we did our due diligence, and uh, we tried to talk to as many people as possible. We were we did our broadcasting duties, and... Uh, it does seem to be the case in the sense that uh, he, Crystal does work for New Japan. Uh, the problem is not with New Japan, apparently. Uh, the problem is not with uh, anything that he's been doing there, per se. Um, from a company perspective, he still has a role with the company. He still will be doing translations. He's still uh, Chris does a lot of stuff uh, behind the scenes, too. Let that be known. Um He's not booking angles, but he's doing you know web work and translations and and a lot of the the the, the grunt work that goes along with running a, a pro wrestling promotion, especially one uh, that is serving an audience that is English speaking as well as Japanese. And guess what? Chris can speak both. So, um, yes, that is the case, unfortunately. And I think to me. I think the majority of our listeners appreciate what he has done in the sense of helping new fans and even old fans alike understand a product a little bit better and understand exactly why things are important. There, Chris played a great role in a lot of people's learning of this product, and that is a good thing. Now, again, it can be debated. Is Chris the best broadcaster in the world? Okay. I mean, people have preferences and people have likes. Is is he as smooth as silk on a mic like uh, your boy Damon? I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. Is he, uh, uh, you know, could he do play-by-play as well as Kevin Kelly or anyone else? And should he be the lead guy 
on any show, whether it be Australia. Okay, you, again, you, we can that, – that's debatable. He's not a broadcaster. He doesn't come from a broadcasting background. But to me, the guy is he's one of us. He's a fan who made it. He's a fan who was able to live a dream that any one of us at any moment would be like, fuck yeah, let me see how I can make this work in my life. I want in. Right? So uh, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him. Because I don't care who you are. I don't care if you fucking mop floors at a, at a, at a, at a, at a restaurant. I don't care if you sell cars. I don't care if you're a lawyer. I don't care if you install sheetrock. I don't care what the fuck you do. When somebody comes to you and says, "Um, yeah, you're not the guy, it hurts. It's not good. It doesn't feel right. The conversation that you got to have with the missus when you walk home and kind of feel not up to par, that is not a good day. That is not a good day. So I feel for him. I feel for him. Uh, he, you know, he wrote a book that that turned into a, that he parlayed into a good deal. Now, there is a link, and this is just, this is me saying this, and 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 I and I don't speak for Joel, and I'll let Joel say what he needs to say about this situation. We'll talk a little bit more about it. But I needed to get that off my chest because I feel Chris has been very good to me and to our show. Uh, and I feel Chris has always been friendly to us and a good guy. And he's one of us. At least he started that way. <laughs> uh, if you feel the need to let the company know how you feel about that, we provided a link. We tweeted it out. And by all means... You wanna you wanna let them know. I'm sh- I know. Let's put it this way. I know. Read between the lines, people. I know that New Japan would love to hear from you at that link. Provide some quality comments uh, about your feelings about Chris being taken off and in a, in a reduced role. Now. Joel, you done your sunflower seed? You want to uh, add a little bit more into this? <laughs> yeah, I thought he was very valuable as the third man on the commentary booth, given the historical perspective, uh, not just the translations, but being able to give you little tidbits about the background to feuds or when a wrestler was you know, shouting out another wrestler with a little tribute in one of his moves or, or things like that, or the venue or you know the historical significance of a particular date. So... It's a shame, and especially in this era of Western expansion, to remove someone like that from the broadcast who is first and foremost a fan with such an encyclopedic knowledge of the product seems, yeah, it's it's bizarre. I mean, I'm left with more questions than answers here. Well, first of all, why it, why is it TV Asahi have taken exception to Chris? Like you've got like for example, just taking a recent example because I was watching the backstage promos before we started recording. Lance Archer on the videos which go up on New Japan World saying Kenta, you're fucking shit. But then they look at Chris Charlton. No, this is the guy we've got to get rid of. This is the problem. It just seems a bit weird to me. And why is it that 
TV Asahi, and I know they're heavily involved. They they do the NJPW world, all that business. They do all the recording and everything. Why is it that they're suddenly becoming very fussy about the uh, the aesthetics of English commentary? It just I don't know. It just seems a bit weird to me, Damon. No, I I, I hear you, and and I, and we had those same questions in the sense of what? Why do they give a fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not like Chris has camera time yes a, a camera will pan past the booth and you'll see him um at, you know, i mean you know what are you gonna do How, is he gonna grow you know another two feet I, you know what i mean he's a small guy all right let's let's put it out uh is he is he going to instantly become uh brad pitt handsome is brad pitt still handsome i don't know uh you know what i mean Movie star handsome? Is he going to turn into the fucking rock? That'd be something. You know, I mean, he, he, he's, he's, he's dealing with, with what God gave him. What, what can he do? His talent is that encyclopedia knowledge. That's his talent. And it's, and it's, and it's a strong talent. Yeah, it does leave me... And I, I understand, listen. The, I mean, New Japan, from, from what we understand, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Joel... They only own forty percent of that network. Their shareholders, they're, 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 I mean, stake, share, whatever the fuck you want to say, ownership, whatever. Forty percent. It's the rest is the is is. is I always mess the name. Is it Asahi Ashi Ashi Ashi? It's the network. They own the majority share of it. They're the ones doing the production. And I do find it weird. Now look, I know people were complaining. Well, this is the same fucking place that had Lanny Poffo do it, right? Okay, I we get it. He was one and done. And I think Chris has more had more of a front facing role than all, you know than all those pe- other people that they brought in. Look, they're 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 particular. They they have an aesthetic that I guess that they want. I don't think that there's any sabotaging or I, I mean I can't imagine because I know I, I I'm hearing you know people trying to speculate and throw rumors about and all that and I can't imagine half of those being true. I can't imagine three quarters of those being true. I I don't want to believe, but for whatever reason, it's they decided that that's not something that they want to pursue. I liked the aesthetic of a guy who isn't a broadcaster, who is just a guy who just. It wasn't like he was embarrassing on the microphone, and as a matter of fact, he was he, he got better and better in my mind each show. Yes, there were moments where you could be like, I probably want to do that. Okay, but until you sit in front of that fucking microphone live, and you, and you got a lump in your throat and it's dry, and you're like, holy fucking shit, I gotta talk now, and I gotta have a repartee with the uh, Kevin Kelly for th- for three fucking hours. It's not that easy. Don't think it is. Again, I can't wait to tell this fucking story, Joel. Oh, my God. One day, we're, oh, my God, we're going to tell this story. It's not easy. It's not fucking easy. Uh, it's not easy. So, again, if if it's – I hope it's not something weird. I really do. I hope it's – it's already weird. But I hope it's not something super weird where somebody's fucking turning the screws. But – Look, I, you're right. I, I I had the same questions as you as why the fuck would they even like? There's no. Do you think there's anybody there listening to these broadcasts, 
on a, you know what I mean? Like, like their list, they, do they really give a fuck about New Japan and the English commentary? I just thought that was a weird thing. Moving on, there was some other stuff from Wrestling Observer Radio in recent weeks. There was interviews with Ibushi and Juice Robinson. Did you catch either of those? Um, no. How were they? I mean, I can't imagine the Ibushi one being that great. Was that good? Was that good? Biggest takeaway from that, um, they asked him who would be your all-time dream opponent in the ring. You guess who he said? <laughs> uh, I can go to the obvious <laughs> um, and say Kenneth. Uh, but I'll go outside. It wasn't, the, Kenneth, it wasn't right? Kenneth. Okay. Dream opponent would be... Uh, Past or present, I think, was uh, the question. Uh, okay. Um, it's got to be somebody wacky. Um, I don't know. Fucking Bob Backlund. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. So Bob, you went too I'm far a, off. Oh, my God. It really wasn't. Hulk Hogan. I was not expecting him to say Hulk Hogan. Wow. <laughs> Go to Ibushi versus Hulk Hogan. What What missed opportunity. That le- legitimately, like I was saying mine just to be fucking goofy. That is, yeah, that is, that is, he is, he is a kooky cat. Whew. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess maybe at the height of the 80s, that would be great. But like, you know. You want to wrestle and you let me ask you this would you rather wrestle NWO Hogan or would you rather wrestle Hulkamania Hogan? Um, I would say Hulkamania Hogan because NWO Hogan did some quite dastardly things, didn't he? I remember him uh crushing the rock in a monster truck the week before (laughs) WrestleMania 18. So that's right, (laughs) and the rock was killed instantly. The match was called off, it was awful business. They have good doctors, they have they have they have uh the best medical staff in all of sports entertainment. So they were able to piece him back together like the $6 million man. And uh, just like Steve Austin. Huh? A little wrestling tie in there. Huh? Uh, yep. Okay. All right. That's weird. What else? What else? What other highlights? How was the juice? I bet you the juice one was pretty good. Juice one was great. He, he just basically like buried the fuck out of the uh, WWE Performance Center. He was talking about uh, having a room. We imagine that in the Performance Center with guys like Chris Hero, Kenta, Pack, like having to do these ridiculous drills, like rolling class, things like that. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? I mean, I know that they said that there were some guys that they didn't make do that. Like when Devitt came in and Shinsuke came in. No, a direct quote here. They have us doing tackle, drop down, leapfrog until we're gassed. And I'm looking around at Chris Hero, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Kenta. And I'm like, I think they got it. Holy fucking shit, really? It's just maddening. I, I, you know, look, they, I, I, they really think that they are the bee's knees when it comes to this pro wrestling stuff, and they just, they, I, and it's weird because they, it's like it feels like they're just making them do it just to break them down. You know what I mean? It's kind of like boot camp. You know, they're just going to take every ounce of you being a civilian and turn you into their soldier. Um, that is just. That is just fucking asinine. It is. I mean, look, I I I have heard you know the the Kenta ones. It wasn't with Dave, but you know wherever that was. But with you know, it's just all the stories that come out about just how ridiculous that fucking company is, and how just I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, it's like 
I have Eddie Van Halen. In, you know, I could put a guitar in his hands and be like, uh, Eddie, no, nah, we're not going to do it your way. We're going to do it. We're going to do it this way. You, you always have to do uh, no more bar chords and no more tapping. You know what I mean? You, you're just going to fucking play uh, open chords. I don't know. I'm, I'm making things up. But you get my point. It's just fucking ludicrous. And another thing that I thought was quite significant, again, if we're talking, bring it back to New Japan, Ju said that he worked maybe two matches per week at the Performance Center. And in New Japan, he worked 120 matches in a few months. And he says that's how he got better. Yeah, that's the only way you do get better. Is is working on your name? Name something that you can do. the 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 less amount of times you do it, you get better. What? What? Cholesterol? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know, uh, uh, it's that's how thing. That's how you get better. They don't want people to get better, Joel. They want people to be characters and and terrible. C-rate actors and comedians. That's that's what they want. That's what they want to be. And that's if you go there, that's for the most part, that's what they're going to ask of you to do. To me, uh, if I'm a professional wrestler and I've trained at the art of pro wrestling and I'm really good at it, that would be one of the last places I'd want to go uh, from a pure career I'm happy kind of thing. Um Look, you could go there and and supposedly work the safe style, and we'll put that in the air quotes. But okay, and 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 cash those checks. But the majority of the people, I'm telling you right now, I think if you went to that, if you just took a microphone and and brought people into a room and and asked them to speak off the record, I can't imagine half of those people being happy with where they are. They're they're there because the, apparently the money's halfway decent. Really, and there's stars, but okay. What does that mean? Your your career's in a fucking toilet. All right, enough about them. The other thing that was quite encouraging is hearing Juice talking about his decision to move to Japan, saying like just little things like he, he was tired of living out of suitcase, tired of eating every meal at a restaurant, that he wants a stove, just little things like that. So it sounds like he is moving to Japan. He's ready to commit. I mean, I say ready to commit to New Japan. He's committed enough as it is, but it it sounds like things are looking quite rosy for Juice, and we'll get onto that when we're talking about his G one. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I mean, I am always a little bit of jealous of you, a L- little bit of jealous of you, um, in the sense that you've done something similar, right? There's it's there is something to be said about uprooting from the country that you live and born and all that, and and saying, okay, I'm I'm living here. Um, it might not be the easiest decision for every person, so. Uh, yeah, that's commitment. That's that's that's. I mean, yes, that and that's awesome. And there's more than, and it's more than him. You know what I mean? We know Will is, and and you know, again, there is a lot of uh, scuttlebutt that Zach is in that same category. Um, so three musketeers. Yep, absolutely, and and that's that that does show commitment and passion and also from both ends, right? I don't think a guy uh, would do that if he didn't have some confidence that the company had confidence in them right so i think that moving kind of goes both ways there's confidence in the performer there's confidence in the company that you know in in one month he's not scrounging for food because he doesn't have work so uh good job by both ends on that one next topic uh, also from wrestling observer newsletter about 
AEW and New Japan relations. So Dave says that they're basically non-existent. John Moxley was not only not allowed to appear on the show, uh, the G1 Dallas show, because it was in the States, but didn't even appear the day before to the G1 press conference. It's a relationship that could benefit both sides. Essentially, what happened is that well before the announcement of AEW, New Japan was told by the Young Bucks and others what the plans were, and they wanted to work together. New Japan's response was to pull all the Americans that they thought were leaving to AEW off of New Year's Dash and beat everyone at the Tokyo Dome. Still, a meeting was scheduled after the Tokyo Dome. New Japan's reaction was that they were working with ROH. They had to give the agreed-upon Madison Square Garden show. But from that point, it was cold. Even though Kenny Omega contractually can work for New Japan, New Japan has not attempted to book him. And it's to the point that the subjects of AEW and Omega are not allowed to be acknowledged by anyone in New Japan. While things can always change, really, with just one phone call, the idea that people think Omega versus Kota Ibushi is going to be at the Dome in January is simply not the case. So what are your thoughts on that? It's everything that we've been saying, though. I mean, and maybe not in that exact language, but it's everything that we've been saying. We know that they have a Ring of Honor relationship. We know that... I mean, honestly, Dave just fucking listened to, to, to three of our goddamn shows at this point. Dave, you listening? You listening to us? Well, he definitely got our scoop about the well, well, right, WWE yeah. fuck up in Cardiff, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, they sure did. Uh, look, I, I don't, but that's you know that's fine. But that's we've been saying that for months. You know at that there is a relationship with Ring of Honor. It's not an easy thing where they can just turn their back and be like toodaloo goodbye. I mean, I think by booking these shows and these venues coming up on the East Coast, those are all Ring of Honor buildings. You know what I mean? That twenty three hundred arena in Philly. That you couldn't book, a, and I've said it before on this show, you can't, you couldn't book a, a promotion, couldn't walk in there unless you were House of Hardcore or Ring of Honor. They had a deal. You couldn't run there. So, uh, you know, now that that's kind of cooled off, New Japan, uh, we'll, we'll slide in there and book in there. Hammerstein, Ring of Honor couldn't, can't, you know, they're, they're crazy. You take a look at that. I mean, that was at one time. They announced the show, and that was pretty close to a sellout. I don't want to say instantly, but really close, almost all the time. They can't sell tickets to that place. New Japan swoops in. Um, again, the idea that this is a one hundred percent New Japan Pro Wrestling show that's that's got to raise some eyebrows, don't you think? That's got to raise some eyebrows as to the relationship with the Ring of Honor, right? They are. Again, separate. They want to be separate. They don't want an association with Kenny and the Bucks and Cody and AEW. They they want to do things on their own because they can do things on their own. Now, look, if and, and we've said this before too. It's not like it's it's you know it's clear as day that right now AEW selling out consistently in seconds, you know, venues that New Japan would dream about selling out. You know, that's the truth. That's where we are right now. But they're trying to, to do it alone. They're, they they broke up. They're seeing other people. That's what's, what's happening. And, 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 and in this type of thing, you don't necessarily go, okay, we broke up, but we're just going to hang out on this show. And we're going to do it. It just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It, it's just not working like that. They're going to try to make it on their own. Now, again, would it make sense for them to have some type of working relationship down the road? 
Yes. Do I think it will happen? Yes. Just not right now. It's okay. They got to get their fucking TV situation taken care of. We're trying to make some headway in the United States. We got G1. We got the fucking domes. We got two fucking domes we got to fill. We're trying to do our own thing right now. It's okay. Now, I, I find it hard to believe that it's, we can't mention Kenny Omega. His name's banned. I, uh, I prefer that, I, I think they, they prefer that, you know, they, they don't. I don't think anybody, I don't think there's a memo that's been distributed saying you can't mention Kenny Omega, right? Do me a favor, Joel, while you're sitting there sick, sup, you know, sucking on a, uh, 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 a uh, sunflower seed and a margarita. Can you do me a favor? Can you look up and see in that profiles page of New Japan Pro Wrestling? Uh, did, did, they ta- did they finally take down that Kenny Omega thing? Right? Did they take down that Kenny Omega profile? I think they did, didn't they? Because it was a, uh, a T-shirt thing, right? Am I wrong in that? Yeah, it was It was the image rights expired. Yeah. Okay, all right. So my point was going to be, he's probably still there. He's not still there. Okay, all right. I'm wrong. I Again, I think it's it's not a... I, I think people are making it a bigger bigger deal than it is. Eventually, it'll work out. It's just, just not right now. And, and, and I just explained why. So relax, relax, relax. Let's move on to G1. I want to start off, Damon, with a fun G1 quiz, a little G1 ah. history quiz. Are you up for that? Oh, boy. Uh, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, but okay. It's not even 7 o'clock. It's 6.45, Joel, and you're going to fucking put a Joel. You're sitting there with a, with a margarita in your hand on the beach. I should be giving you the quiz, but okay. <laughs> All right. This is from a, a video I watched on YouTube by a guy called Octopus Stretch, who I would recommend subscribing to he does really good videos about new japan mm-hmm. so this is based on g1 from 1991 to 2018 so okay. before this year's g1 most tournament wins damon uh isn't it uh masahiro chona that's correct so he's got five 91 92 94 2002 2005 um runners up tenzan and tanahashi both have three what about most g1 matches it might be like a tenzan um. No, I'll say Tanahashi. You're close. It's actually Yuji Nagata who's got mm. 138. Tenzan's got 134. Tanahashi's got 133. So by the end of this year's G1, Tanahashi would have overtaken Nagata and have the most G1 matches of all time. Right. Uh, what about most G1 appearances, like number of tournaments entered? Well, I mean, not necessarily. I'll say Nagata. Uh, you're close. It was Tenzan, who's been in 21. Nagata's okay. been in 19. Tanahashi's been in 17. Uh, I'll give you one more. Most G1 match wins. Mm-hmm. Okada. No, it's Tanahashi. He's got 79 wins. Uh, Tenzan's got 66. Nagata's got 65. So if you want some more fun G1 facts, go and check out Octopus Stretch on YouTube because there's a load of really interesting facts there. Uh, so, G1 one, one, one out of four. One out of four, Joel. That's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were close. And I was close on a couple of them, too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say Carl Anderson. Well, true. 
Oh, he was in one of my questions, actually. But I, I did a long list of them, but then I thought it would be boring if the whole podcast was just a quiz. So. Right, and me <laughs> and, getting them wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I want people to go and watch the video. It's a good video. All right, G1 Climax in this year. What have I noticed? Lots of swearing in the backstage promos. That's the first thing I've got on my notes here. It's quite remarkable. Like, I thought they were having this big clamp down on foul language and everyone's just effing and jeffing backstage. Uh, question from Ju. How impressed have you been with the LA Dojo Young Lions because I had written here that the Kenta LA Dojo versus Tanahashi and New Japan Dojo match was outstanding. Yep. And I was, I'm not the only person to say it, but I was blown away by one Carl Fredericks who just has that superstar aura. He's got the look, he's got the, just the confidence, the way he carries himself in the ring. Technically, he looks like he's on point. And he tapped out Ren Narita, who has been in the best of the super juniors. He tapped him out in his first match in a match that contains Tanahashi and Kenta. Yeah. And it was Carl Fredericks who picked up the win there. I That's got to mean something. It does. And I loved the the look and feel of that match. I loved the LA Dojo versus the uh, Tokyo Dojo. I loved the, you know, with Kenta and Tanahashi. I, I thought the, whoever came up with that idea, God bless them. That, they did. They, it's probably Chris Charlton. <laughs> I came up with that. Um, it, it, it's that was that was wonderful. A great idea. A, 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 a something that's on the undercard of the G one that had people saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What, 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 what was this? How is this?" And then going back and and making a point to watch just for for, for the idea of the match. And then the 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 layout of the match, yeah, it was strong. I was really impressed with them. They wrestled um, on the Rev Pro show in New York City. They were on the undercard. I think they were in the first match. And we were kind of like, these guys are good. Shit. It, they had a really good match. Um, so that was my – and then I remember them being on the New Beginning Tour, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I was getting feedback that yeah, you got to keep your eyes on on those two. Um, so yeah, they they have a look. I know um, I know our, our new our new best bud Joe Lanza was uh, very high on uh, them, and and so was I. I I like the match. I like the idea of the match. I think they're they're really good, and yeah, I think you're looking at very good possibility of. Future stars in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Joe Lance is also very high on your Yoshihashi bag of socks reference. Oh yeah, He's been sprinkling that in quite a lot. Has he? It. Has he? Good. I'm glad that catches on. Look, he's he was he was hilarious. I mean, he, I, again, the first time I met him was um, in New York City, and he was fun there. And then, yeah, we just I, we we I don't know. I guess it must be a New Jersey thing. You know, he lived. Like he used to live like maybe an hour from me, and yeah, you know, I never met him before. But like you know, he would go to the same shows I would go to, and uh, in the mix. And it's funny because I was talking about my former wrestling days, and I'm rattling off names in that area. He's just looking at me like, "Are you fucking kidding me? That was you?" Dude, he's like, "I've been to shows where you were on." He's like, "I've been like I know." All- you know, I'm rattling off Ace Darling and, you know, Julio Sanchez. And he's like, I'm hearing names I haven't heard since fucking the 90s. So, uh, 
I don't know. He's a good guy. He's funny. He's good. I like him. Other thing I noticed from Undercards is that Toe Hinare is looking really good. Been really impressed with him. And <sighs> I would like to see him Joel, in next year's G1. Because I think exactly once... I, I don't know about that because I think some of the guys who you've got working the G1 at the moment, you know, like John Moxley, maybe even Kenta, are they going to be full-time New Japan fixtures? Are they going to be around next year? I think there might be some space opening up for Hanare. Okay, but you're, but is it? Uh, let me ask you this: Is Hanare a Kenta? Is Hanare a Moxley? In terms of star power, no. Okay. But in terms of being able to deliver a quality match, I would say better than Moxley. And really, yeah, I I really think that. Mm. And I haven't seen enough from 2019 New Japan Kenta to comment really, but I suspect that Hinari can go faster than Kenta can at this point. So I'll give him that one. Uh, I'm I'm going to disagree. One. And again, they can they can light the fire to anybody, right? And and put somebody over the top and make them a star. New Japan's pretty fucking good at that. Uh, there's there's nothing that that is shown me any reason to believe that's going to happen, right? I feel like picked up a win on one of these shows. Okay, so does Bushi. You want to put Bushi in there? Can you imagine? <laughs> Right, I'm just saying. I like, and I don't like Hanare. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying he sucks or you know. But but there's. I mean, again, they can heat up anybody. Look, I'm taking. I'm taking the idea and the prospect of a Kenta and a John Moxley over Hanare any day of the week. And I'll say, if they aren't around next year for G1. I guarantee you, New Japan Pro Wrestling will have someone comparable taking their place. And that's not Hanare. Sorry. Sticking with our best friend, Joe Lanza, I was listening to his Patreon-exclusive daily G1 updates, which is definitely worth your $5 a month. And he was talking about the size of the New Japan roster and the way that they're able to rotate between the A block and the B block shows. And not only that, but there's a whole list of names who are not even working the G1 tour, which, uh, I, I mean, I'll rattle off some of these names. We've got Sho, Yo, Kojima, Nagata, Nakanishi, Gorillas of Destiny, Hikuleo, Robbie Eagles, El Fantasmo, Taguchi, Tiger Mask, Ishimori, Mikey Nichols, Makabe, Doki, Dragon Lee, Rocky Romero, Alex Coughlin, Takamichinoku. So they've got a big roster at this point, uh, And I would say that's a healthy thing. Do you agree? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, they they can weave the people that you mentioned in and out very easily, but also, you know, at the same time, they, they, there's not a pressing need for any of those at this time, right? They have enough bodies that they can put in the undercard tags. They have the young lions that that use this opportunity to work with the big names on, you know, as they work B block, A block underneath tags. They get to work with some of the best people in the business, right? So they're learn. It's look, they have that sorted. It's figured out in the sense of it's 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 a constant wheel churning of put this guy on the fire, 
take this guy off the fire, cool them off, let them rest. And at the same time, you're developing your stars. I, look, I, to me, this is the model of how you run a, a pro wrestling company. It, if, to me, it really is. And again, we can bitch and moan in certain cases. Tag title situation, of course. Uh, why is this guy getting a win, a push? Absolutely. But you can do that with any company. But for overall, how this is how you run a pro wrestling company. To me, they set the bar. They are the model of which people should follow because they have that fucking shit figured out. Look at that. How many people did you rattle off? Like 10, 15 people? And these aren't, these aren't you know, these are people that people recognize. These are names people recognize. And right now they're they're able to rest and 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 collect themselves and get their their quote real lives together while G one goes on and then they're back right in the mix in a, in, a, in a month. How could you? I, know, I mean, also I was going to say it'd be very important for the Western expansion where you're doing all these extra shows in like the uh, you know the Philly show, the Lowell show that's coming up it will be important to have guys who are fresh and give other guys who have just done a grueling G1 the chance to rest up a bit. Yeah. I mean, listen, and, and here's the thing. You know, they've got some important shows. They got the London show coming up at the Copper Box, right? Which, you know, to me, I mean, we could speculate on on some of the things maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit later on, but um, you know that's going to be hot. You know that's going to be... Um, they're going to have matches that are going to be worthy of the ticket purchase. Let's put it that way. Um, and you got to keep guys fresh, and you got to keep talent fresh. Look, I, I just think that they have they have that figured out. They really do. Um, for all the complaints people want to throw New Japan's way about booking and all that, look, this this is how you run a pro wrestling company, and I, and I and you cannot complain about that. Let's move on to the. Um main G1 tournament matches. So, night two, this was in Tokyo, the Ota City General Gymnasium. They drew an attendance of 4,074, which is a little bit up from the anniversary show, which they ran in the same venue, which got 4,000, and is up from both of last year's G1 openers, which featured Okada versus Jay White, which drew 3,907, and Naito and Kenny Omega, which did 3,826. So, Something to be said there again. We're always saying it. The product is hot at the moment. It's growing. People are into it, and I would say this is a feather in the cap for, particularly. I mean, you look at the main event of this. This is Jay White and Hiroki Goto, not the biggest stars in the company, but drawing a very healthy number there. Yeah, I, I, I'm not worried about the the Japanese fans coming out at this point. I'm not worried about a drop off there, and I think G1 is an, is is a draw there, and I think. Um, the new Japan brand is, is a draw there. And again, going back and again, just to touch on the Dallas thing one more time. Again, it's not the number. That's the problem. It's the number in that building. That's the problem in, in, you know, American airlines. That was the problem. It was the aesthetics. Um, but like 4,800 people, you know, that's, you know, you put that in a 5,000 seat building. That looks fucking great. Um, yeah, so that's a good number. Constant growth. That's what you're looking for. Constant improvement, constant growth. Um, and, and I'm not worried about that from a Japanese audience at this point. And we can officially confirm that Hiroki Goto is a bigger draw than Kenny Omega. So there you go. <laughs> you, can, you can have that one for free. All right, so the first G1 match that we had on this card 
was um, Juice Robinson defeating Shingo Takagi Woo! in 40 minutes 41 with a pulp friction. Damon, I love this match. Me too. This is great. And I'm really enjoying this little contest that Will Ospreay and Shingo seem to be having for the rest of the year. It's like every time Will goes out there and has a killer match, then Shingo is going out there and having a match that is, in a lot of people's eyes, as good. He's working different styles as well. And what I really loved here was the drastic change in dynamics from the best of the Super Juniors, where Shingo's bigger than everyone. He's out muscling them. In a lot of cases, he's... (coughs) Excuse me. Oh, sunflower. Sunflower. In many cases, in best of the Super Juniors, he's like physically towering over his opponents. But now, this match, Juice is bigger. And Shingo's having to work even harder to try and knock a guy like Juice off his feet. And I thought this match made Juice look like an absolute badass. And he's not here to fuck about, kids. Juice Robinson, he's here to win. He's a serious wrestler. So this was a great match. Some really brilliant moments. I like the pulp friction countered into the Noshigami. And also the fact that Juice needed to use all of his moves to put away Shingo. So, I mean, Shingo, he's not running the block here, but he's going to be really hard to defeat. So what do you think of the match? What do you think of the decision to have Juice win? I, I like both. I don't have a problem with, with uh, Shingo taking a loss. I like the fact that they're the first match, right? Right? They, they set this bar, it feels like. And, and again, I say Will and uh, Shingo. Like they kind of, it, it felt like they are setting a bar for all the other guys in the back to say, okay, um, we're here. Right? We're, we're, this, is, this is what you got you to gotta beat um, when it comes to match quality. And you're right. It, he is neck and neck with Will in my eyes. I mean, he, what a fucking year he's having! And there are people that are going to set and that are going to say, you know, he he's my wrestler of the year. I I can't, I I can't sit there and hand wave that. What a fucking talent this guy is! And here's the thing: he's good. It wasn't too long ago, and 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 they probably won't mention it, but okay. Uh, I mean, he was in Champion Carnival a few years ago, not that long ago. Um, last year, I think. I remember yeah. he had that amazing match with Shuji Ishikawa. Yep, that final. Fucking great. Uh, so, again, he's not... This is not a, a, a foreign concept for him on how to work these tournaments. He's strong. And Juice, look, I love no-nonsense Juice. I love no-bullshit Juice. Um, he's not doing those wacky promos at the end, is he now? Right? And I think... No, it seems like he's sort of taken a, a vow of silence after what's happened with Moxley. Right, right. And and that Moxley match has done more for him to help change the perception of him. Look, I always, I, I, I always say this, that to make a star, to get people to a certain level, there has to be a grit and there has to be a sandpaper element to a person's character where if they have to fight and they have to be serious and gritty that that is what helps them get to that next level right right that seriousness that that there has to be that and that's what that Moxley match did and that's what this this G1 is doing like juice overpowered and out-muscled and out-maneuvered the guy who going into the tournament is coming off a hot streak by being able to do that with every one of the juniors. And I like the idea that Juice wasn't fucking having it. 
Wasn't fucking having it. Uh, again, it didn't make Shingo look like a pushover. He was there, you know, neck and neck, right there with him. But at the end of the day, it was Juice who found a little bit more juice to get him over the hump. And I like the way that they booked that. It, in no way did it hurt Shingo. Uh, but in a lot of ways, it helped Juice. Honestly, at the moment, Juice Robinson, he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the company. He's just, he's got it all. I think he's pretty much the complete package at this point. Even the little touches, like the way he moves his body to, oh dear, move his body to like, leave it, my bag just fell off the table. Oh no. Um, like, you know, when he's going for a pinfall, just the way he moves his body to, to get the full leverage and his facial expressions are great. Good eyebrows for that. Um, little things like when his knees go wobbly, and now, like you said, he's getting a serious main event look with a haircut and yeah. he's just looking like he's got a real intensity about him. And I think he needs to be more than the guy who is there to carry the WWE cast-offs to decent matches. I agree. And he, again, let's not downplay the fact that even, you know, to a, to a small degree, the, the ring gear is toned down a little bit. Um, a little bit. Not you know, he's not bright pink. Toned down a little bit. Um, the haircut, right? You know, signifying that there's a it's it's a different guy. It's a different mindset. That those are all you know little subtle things, but are important things that play into the role of okay, juice serious. He can fight if he has to. He has sandpaper and grit to his game now that maybe he didn't have before. Next match then in the B block was John Moxley defeating Taichi in 7 minutes 36 with a Death Rider. Now, I enjoyed this match a lot. It was really fun. I liked having Shota Umino, or Shooter, as Mox is calling him now, carrying the US title. But the thought did occur to me, and other people have said it too, is there more to John Moxley than walk and brawl plunder matches? Which I did think at the time. And I think to some extent, the match with Jeff Cobb, which we'll talk about later, has answered that and assuage some of my fears but the the walk and brawl the plunder stuff it worked with Taichi given the nature of Taichi's character as well he likes a bit of the the plunder use of the weapons so it was good here but I want to see how Moxley does with other people can he mesh with the different stars in the company but another thing and I got this vibe well actually I was watching a YouTube video from Forrest Sober who, who brought up this point seeing this match I was getting Damon versus Tito Santana vibes you know what I mean when I say that? It was taking shit. I ain't bumping for you, brother. I ain't bumping for you, brother. <laughs> he yeah. didn't take any bumps for Taichi. Yeah. And I don't know if this is disrespect for Taichi or if this is just Moxley trying to ease himself into the tournament physically. Taichi made Moxley look great. Taichi, you know, going through tables, flying all over the place, made Moxley look like a million bucks. But he did not bump once for Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. And from this point on, I'm counting the number of bumps that Moxley takes in his matches. And I'll tell you how many, when, you talk, when we talk about the Jeff Cobb match, I'll tell you how many to, or maybe you can have a guess. Let's make it okay. fun. I mean, this is a, a quiz-based show. I'll, I'll come back to you when we're talking about the Jeff Cobb-Moxley match. But I've got my eye on him because I want to make sure that he's fully committed to this G1. You think he's sandbagging? This, mm, not, think he- not that, but I think he might have half an eye on commitments that he has with AEW stateside, thinking, hmm, well, I, I better not 
push myself too hard in these matches. I don't need to bump for this guy. I'm not going to take this bump. I'm not going to take that bump because, you know, I've got a big match with Kenny Omega coming down the line in uh, All Elite. Right. Okay. Listen, I think that's a fair statement. And and again, it's not hard to to sit there and, and, and say, yeah, this is what I'm saying, right? The proof's in the pudding. But, but let's be honest here. I, I, this was my biggest concern going into G1 with John Moxley was one is this style is it easy does he mesh well with with you know the roster of and, and the talent that's there and yes when people start talking I like I like seeing John Moxley because it's different and he he sticks out like a sore thumb and I agree but how far does that go after night six? You're still going to feel the same way, right? Uh, that was a concern of mine. We go back and listen, right? Uh, and it and it seems to me that that is coming true. That that style might be a little bit of a okay, okay. We kind anything else in there? Any anything else you got there, Johnny? Okay. Um, I didn't notice. The amount of bumps, to be truthful. I didn't. It did seem a little bit one-sided to a, to a certain degree. But, yeah, I, 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 I'm curious now. Now now I'm going to have my eye on that. And I think all of our listeners will have their eye on that. And, again, some people might be, oh, it's a style, but okay. All right. But, yeah, let's keep an eye on that. Because if, you, if you're noticing that and it's sticking out like a sore thumb for you, uh, let's, uh, that might be something we, we uh, need to be mindful of as we move along in the G1. Lewis asks, with everything going on during the G1, do you guys love the whole Moxley-Umino being best buds? How long before Moxley breaks poor Umino's heart and betrays him? We've spoken about this before. I think it was a smart way to have Moxley, give Moxley someone to tag with on these undercard matches. So, um, like I said, I enjoyed Shota carrying his US title for him. I thought that was a nice touch. Um Looking forward to seeing more f- fun stuff in the backstage promos as well. Yeah, it's something different. It's something you know so it gives people a, a, a you know a reason to tag together, which I you know you, you can't hand away that. I like the look of it. Like you know, he's still going through the crowd like he did back in the day. He's got a he's got he's got a, he's got a little handler taking care of his title. I like it. You know, wearing a t shirt, I think it's cool. I, I actually enjoy it. I think it's a good dynamic. Next match was Toriyano defeating Tetsuya Naito with a roll-up in 3 minutes 42. And the story of this match being a t-shirt, Naito didn't want to take the t-shirt off, so Yano didn't take his t-shirt off. I thought this was really good. It was funny. I like Naito doing his slow-motion undressing, like when he's just standing there with half of his trousers hanging off one leg, and he's just staring at Yano, and Yano's just going absolutely out of his mind. I found that really amusing. And that bit where he did the delayed combination cabron, where Yano's covering his face and Naito's just standing there and waiting and waiting. And then Yano moves his hands down and he just kicks him in the face. I, I thought this was good. Served a purpose. You know, you don't need every match to be at war. We talk about it all the time and what the function of Yano is in the G1. And having him pull off a big upset against Naito, henceforth, makes all of these Yano matches quite dramatic. Because you think, well, he's pinned Naito. He could pin anyone here. Right. That's the one thing that I always enjoy about that, right? Um, as much as people want to hand wave a Yano match, those three or four minutes are, you know, it's a high wire act 
because you're right. If Tanahashi could take a fall, if Naito could take a fall, if whomever could take a fall, anybody could take a fall in any situation. That's good. That that to me, that element. And again, I'm not sitting here getting on the fucking Yano bandwagon and and, and going to tell you he's my favorite wrestler. But his matches do provide that element that sometimes is even better than the main events, right? That look, we love those main events. One of the main reasons is are, are those near falls and those kickouts and you know the idea of oh is this it? No, this is it. This has got to be it. This oh that element, right? That that's the shit that gets you out of your chair. What Yano does is condense it in three fucking minutes, right? From the from the minute the bell rings, it's all right. You're on the edge. Don't fucking lose the Yano. That's what they, that's what I hear people screaming at their TVs. Don't fucking lose the no fucking. That's what I hear. But that's good. That's that. I mean, who else gets a reaction like that? You think? I mean, seriously. You think Lance Archer's getting a reaction like that? You, you know, even though Lance Archer's doing a great job, and you know, we could talk about that in a second, but. Um, Nobody's getting a reaction like that. Tell me another guy who's getting a reaction like Yano does in those three minutes. In three minutes, do you get that? Do you get that with with Okada? No, you get that at the end. But you can, you know, you know, you got to wait till the end. That's been one of the biggest complaints people have had is that uh, we know, you know, we got to get to the twenty minute mark before we start hitting that. Three minutes in, three minutes, a minute in. It's yeah. like a Brock Lesnar match. It's got the same level of chaos and unpredictability. It does, right? But it's better. Yeah. I'm look. You, you get you. The problem is, is that it feels like you you're only going to get one of those surprise ones. Uh, uh, a G one. It's not like every match is going to have that. So you kind of talk yourself out of it. As once you see something like that, it's like, oh, okay. Well, that's that. You might not see another one of them. But but even so, I really wish they would give Yano maybe one more of those fuckers. That would be great. Again, it just keeps you on your toes. It keeps you honest. I like that. And it's exciting. I, I can't name another fucking guy that, that gives you that. Fale, no. Yano, Yano's, Yano might be the smartest fucking guy in that company. Three minutes, easy peasy shit, but fucking brings it. He brings that level of, of, of panic. Because you don't want to see your guy be the guy to take the... You think Naito fans were wanted to fucking jump out a window after they saw that? They couldn't believe it. It's good. It's fun. I, I, I enjoy it. I like that. Next match was one that's going to be very popular for a lot of people. Tomohiro Ishii defeating Jeff Cobb in 18 minutes 33 with a vertical drop brain buster. Pants down for this one, David. How, how great is Tomohiro Ishii? Just little things like you hear that he called that pull-apart brawl in Dallas on the fly. That wasn't planned. He was just like, let's keep going. Let's do a pull-apart. Because not only is he a brilliant wrestler, but he's got a great mind for the business. This was an awesome match. I said on Twitter, it's like when you're a kid, you have your two Hasbro wrestler toys and you're just smashing them together. That's what this match was. Another little thing that stood out to me, this is not a criticism, more of an observation, but Jeff Cobb did look a bit sluggish. He was a clear step behind Ishii in terms of the pace so I don't know if this was a result of the match going pretty long 18 minutes that Cobb blew up and he got tired which is fine because you would get tired if you're in an 18 minute battle a war with Tomohiro Ishii 
But again, just something to keep an eye out going forward. Jeff Cobb's conditioning and his pace in these matches. Has he got what it takes to keep up with the very best in the company? Because based on this one, I am... Again, I'm not complaining. This was a fucking great match. So it's a minor, minor thing that occurred to me. Yeah. I mean, look, he's... I'm not making excuses, but I think that will improve as the tournament goes on. Um, The amount of preparation these guys do training-wise, getting ready for this tour, is... I mean, they know the cardio that's involved. I mean, Jeff's a big guy. And, he, and you're right, he's in there with Ishii, and he's, you know, probably just getting off a fucking airplane. Um, so I'm sure there's some element of jet lag. Um, and let's not, let's not, it's hot there right now. <laughs> Those buildings are fucking sweat boxes at this point. Um, summertime in Japan, it's whew, brutal. Uh, again, not making excuses, but I, I I don't I'm not worried about Jeff Cobb's conditioning, and especially as we we move on in this tournament, I, I'm um I'm I'm okay. Did I notice that he looked a little bit gassed out? Yeah, I think a lot of people pointed it out to me too. But again, a, a minor minor critique, uh, and I think that will improve as that goes on. And yeah, this match was this match was exactly as advertised, right? I mean, I don't think anybody was looking for finesse spots with Jeff Cobb and Ishii. Uh, it got it delivered what it, what it what it was advertised as to me. Um, I, uh, I I'm uh, how do I say this without making people upset? It, it's a one trick pony. It's a great one-trick pony. Does Ishii feel to you like there's really not a lot of what? Like, I guess my question is this: What do you do with Ishii in the sense of this is what you got? There's really nothing. Like, he, if you turned Ishii and made him heal, he's still the same Ishii. Right, there's just not a lot of range with what you get with Tomohiro Ishii. Right, what you get is what you get. What else do you do with the guy? You just leave him the same. Are you like what? I, I guess in, uh, what what shined through in this match is is I could take this match and I could put this a year ago, three years ago, five years ago. It's the same Tomohiro Ishii. It's great. But it is the same thing, at least with, like, Okada, right? And I'll, I'll just use Okada as a, as a reference. There were subtle changes. I mean, again, last year with him having a fucking breakdown uh, and a midlife crisis, it felt like. And even before, when he first debuted, there are subtle changes to him, right, that occur during his tenure with New Japan Pro Wrestling. There has been absolutely nothing subtle, nothing... <laughs> Nothing significant. What change has Tomohiro Ishii gone through in, I don't know, five years with New Japan Pro Wrestling? I was not expecting when we logged on today that I would have Damon criticizing Tomohiro Ishii's lack of nuance. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not alone, Damon. There are other people, particularly on our discords, who have said similar things to you that the whole Ishii gimmick doesn't resonate with them. So I don't think you're alone with that. But it, I think... It's kind of like 
uh, like having a pizza. You know what you're going to get. You know it's going to be good. Pizza's always good. And okay. it doesn't have to be particularly sophisticated. It's hitting all the right spots for you. And you're just like, pizza, fuck yeah. Okay, but it can be sophisticated. And it can, you you could get wacky and put pineapple on it, Joel. Right? You could Maybe a bad analogy then. Maybe I, a McDonald's cheeseburger. I like a McDonald's cheeseburger. Okay. Not very fancy. Right. It's good shit. All right. You calling Tomohiro Ishii a McDonald's cheeseburger? Maybe I am. Yeah, I am. <laughs> All right. All right. And here's the thing. Again, no one is complaining about match quality. No one is complaining about the, the fucking guy can go. Nobody's complaining that he is a valuable piece of New Japan's pie. No one is debating the fact that you tap him on the shoulder and you're getting you're getting a banger. No one's complaining. It's been the same for five years, right? There's been no, there's been no nuance, as you as you said. To ch- and again, maybe that's 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 the, that's what he is, and that's his charm, right? Even with Shibata, it felt like there there could be a, like little things that are. I, I don't name me one thing that has been different about Tomohiro Ishii in five years. One thing, T-shirt. All right, there you go. That, that's really it. That's really it. All right, there you go. But match, fucking great. One of my favorites of the tournament so far. Main event for the show was Hiroki Goto defeating Jay White in 21 minutes, six seconds with the GTR. Goto looking in fantastic shape. He's really slimmed down a lot from the work that he's been doing in LA at the Shibata Dojo. And hopefully it kickstarts something because... Um, I don't want to see him being a geek anymore. He's a really good wrestler. I enjoy watching him in these big spots. He always delivers to me. Now, this match, I think your enjoyment of it, well, the first half of it in particular, hinges on if you like Jay White control periods, which I do. I find them compelling. But if you don't, then you might have found the first half of this match boring. Second half of the match, great. Goto's offense is brilliant. All of his moves look really painful. I liked seeing him bust out the Shoten Kai and there was like a little modified Ushigoroshi there. I liked him pulling Jay White's hair to stop him. Um, the rope running, the directional changes, I really like that as well. Um, one thing I would say I think Jay White needs to do, and a lot of other people said it, we've got to start with the ghetto interference because I don't think it's, I don't think stopping that would make him any less of an effective heel. I think we've established he's a bad guy. He's a prick. People are going to boo him anyway, but it just just kind of takes the air out of a match, takes the momentum out of a match when Ghetto gets involved. But I thought this was really good. This was better than their match at Hinokuni, and I enjoyed it a lot. I thought this was very good. And and you made mention of something that, you know, you left this show, and you turned off your stream, and you thought, okay, that's a big name Hiroki Goto got a got a win over, right? In 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 the in the pecking order of New Japan Pro Wrestling, it felt like Goto, you know, the, the roles were reversed where Goto beat an established guy, right? And usually you know, for years it was the other way around where people were pinning him to 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 kind of get a rub. And you were left with, okay, that 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 that's good. Maybe this is something where Goto doesn't turn into the fucking Yoshihashi bag of socks, 
and everybody's happy. But then, and again, I'm not saying that Goto is going to run the fucking table, Joel. But then you followed up with a big fat L, right, to a guy that, to me, felt like a guy that Goto should beat, right? Now, I don't know. It, I, I just, it was just weird to me. I, I disagree with you there, but again, we'll come on to that when we talk about Juice versus okay. Goto, because I do have my thoughts on that feud, but uh, okay. I'll save them. But it felt like, okay, you know, uh, I guess where we are in 2019 uh, maybe not, but it felt to me like you beat Jay White, but you, I don't, uh, okay. Uh, uh, all right. Getting back to this match though. Was this, uh, was this, where would you put this in Jay White's catalog? I put it near the top. I thought this match was really fucking solid, really good. And yeah, there were little nitpicky things like the interference that kind of took me out of it a little bit, but that closing stretch was really fucking solid. I think I would have it in the top 10. I don't know if it will crack the top five. And again, this is a question that I was going to bring up to you later when we talk about Ishii versus Jay White and what Jay White's best match is. But off the top of my head, the Kenny Omega match at New Beginning was very good. The Okada match at Wrestle Kingdom, I loved. Um, The Juice Robinson match last year in the States was excellent. The uh, the main event, the IWGP title match at Madison Square Garden was also outstanding. So, again, I don't know if this will crack the top five. Probably not. Probably somewhere between six and ten for me. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, if, if it breaks the top five, it would be the lower of the five. But um, I thought it was really good. And you're right, all those other matches were, were, were solid as well. So, yeah, I mean, look... It's taken a while, but I think people are starting to come around to the fact that Jay White can put on some pretty great matches. Um, you're, and I think you're right in the analysis of if you're not into Jay White control periods, the beginning might be a little bit of a struggle. But again, I think the more, I think the more the more people come around to, to Jay, the more that they'll kind of wrap their heads around those control periods. So um, I liked it. I thought it was good. I would put it really close to his top five matches in New Japan. Mark asks us, does Goto play knocked the fuck out better than anyone else? Suzuki and Jay have both murdered Goto live on NJPW World before our eyes now. Yeah, I thought he was seriously yeah. hurt in the middle of this match. He's just an amazing job. Like, he just... He's just on the ground a little bit too long, uh-huh. and he's a little bit too slow to respond to the point where you think, "Ah, oh, this guy's seriously hurt." Yeah, that that one, and again, people always kind of go back to that Suzuki match from Wrestle Kingdom, that choke spot. Um, yeah, he does. He does play. He does. He does do that very well. There, it's pretty weird how there are certain people that do certain things really well, like a little subtle. Like you know, I always say, like I think Kenny Omega does the best ragdoll. Like when he gets fucking rocketed into a corner and he just ragdolls in there, I think he does that fucking tremendously. Um, you know, just little tiny things. It's I don't know. I, the other thing that pops in my head is like maybe like Bret Hart. You know, when he runs into the turnbuckles, I I, I don't like he does that face first chest into the turnbuckle thing where he gets whipped in. Like I don't think there's anybody else that does it any better than Bret Hart doing that. Um, and Okada drop kick maybe right. Um, 
but even even you know even the Goto thing is even a little bit more subtle than than doing that. But yeah, yeah, I agree. He's he's one of the best at that, no doubt. Let's move on to night three. So this is Sunday, July fourteenth, uh, in the same menu, Oak City General Gymnasium, and we open up here in the G one matches with Lance Archer defeating Bad Luck Farley with an EBD claw in Ooh. ten minutes. Twelve. Let me tell you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go 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 go. I'm sorry. My bad. I know I complain about ghetto interference, but I think having Jado there smartly positioned Lance Archer as the de facto babyface in a match between two monster heels. So I thought that was a good little touch that clearly signified that Archer was the babyface here and Farley was the heel. And I like the fact that there is that fluidity during the G1 for people to move roles like that. We said it before, Lance Archer is absolutely killing it in this G1. His charisma ferocity athleticism all just on point great spots in this match like the dive where they did the superplex and Marty Asami took a bump because the ring just absolutely I don't know language has failed me at this point but you know what I mean yeah and the the tease of the blackout from the turnbuckle even did the pounce here and people like to rag on bad luck Farley I thought he worked hard here I think he's working hard Farley's fine and my thing he we're getting clean finishes he ate a pin here, and it doesn't happen often. So I thought this match was pretty enjoyable. It was like, yeah, you know, did you ever watch Power Rangers? Where yeah. towards the end of the episode, they get the Megazord out, and they'd have to fight a giant monster, and they just sort of kind of crash into each other. That, that's kind of what this match was like. And, uh, you know, I say this a lot, but I appreciate the variety. So yep. I thought this was a decent match. What, what do you think about the EBD claw? Um, I, again, I think it's something that has to be established. Um, I kind of like it more of a tap out and I understand why it's not a tap out kind of move. Um, I think it's, here's the problem. It's a big, you usually, he usually is setting it up after a big move, whether it be a, like a choke slammy thing or some type of power bomb or something. And then he just kind of mounts the, on top of them, right? With the claw to get the pin. I don't know. It, it does, eh, uh, you know, anything can be a finisher, but I just think that the execution hasn't really been fleshed out. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like an awkward transition to the pimp. Um, so, you, Did you ever watch Game of Thrones? No. I actually have never have. But go ahead. Uh, there's a, a scene in it, well, there's a big battle, uh, a duel, rather, between uh, Oberyn Martell and Gregor Clegane. And at the end of it, Gregor Clegane, who's like a big sort of Lance Archer monster type, mounts this smaller person and does a kind of claw thing and like pushes his thumbs into his eyes and it's it's really gross so i think maybe he was sort of trying to go for something like that but i agree with you i think it works as a exclamation point after a big high impactful finishing move like if he does for example the blackout and then immediately does the claw for the pinfall it's like the claw's kind of academic at that point i think that would be the way to go forward with it yeah yeah um I, I, I'm excited to talk about this match because to me, Lance Archer has done something that not many people have done in the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that is squeezed out a really good match out of Bad Luck Fale. And you could name those people on one hand who have done that. Lance Archer. Look, 
I don't know if he's got family members that New Japan has kidnapped, <laughs> and they've said, you're never going to see these people again unless you perform at this elite level. Right now, you can't sit here and tell me that Lance Archer is not, you know, a top five guy in, in G1. Again, we're two nights in, mind you. But he has, I think for everybody, has outperformed even their expectations that they had. People had expectations for Lance, and they wanted him to perform at a high level. And they kind of set the bar for him. And I think he has exceeded that. Again, he got a really good match at a bad luck folly. I loved this match. I thought this was really well done. I had no and and trust me, there were moments where it was like, okay, well, here's our here's our here's our our uh, easy way for neither guy to have to take a pinfall. We're gonna go outside the ring and plunder, and we're gonna do the tent day and do it. Bad luck folly took a fall, and you're right. Not many people do that. Not many people. Bushi got one, but but you get my point. It's bad luck folly, and he's there for a reason. And he helped get over Lance Archer. And Lance Archer is doing himself no faults in this tournament so far. I don't know what it is with him and, and Will. They just have this fucking chemistry and this and this this uh, uh, cohesion. They work well together. Perfect, perfect, perfect uh, dance partners. And I think everyone was a little bit worried going into night two or, you know, for this block with Foley. Fucking Lance Archer hit a home run. Lance Archer performed a pro wrestling miracle. And for that, he deserves all the fucking recognition in the world. Now, he's gotten over a big hurdle. He got he's got a good match out of out of Fale. This guy's going to wind up having a tournament that people are going to talk about and people are going to remember. And I don't know if Davy Boy Smith Jr. was 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 a shackle. I don't know if KES as a whole was a shackle. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it was. But everybody talked about, hey, you know what? Lance Archer might be the the uh, a, a really good monster, or Lance Archer might. Guess what? He's making the most of his uh, of his opportunity, and he now has become a guy that you could easily put him in in a title situation. You know, he's a credible challenger. You could put him in a, in a in a program, and you could now have another guy at your arsenal that could fill a role of a guy that could eat a pin to a champion to help get them over and have it be credible. Excellent job all the way around. Excellent job. I was speculating on Twitter that I think Archer would be great for a never title run, but then at Smooth Wrestling said it would be even better for him to have the US title because think about it, he's the American psycho. So I think that would be something cool to do going forward. And it was funny in the backstage promos, Lance Archer telling people to complain on Twitter. Oh, keep going on Twitter and saying that I don't deserve to be here. But everyone on Twitter is saying how brilliant he's been. He's received like almost universal praise for his outstanding performances. So I haven't seen anyone on Twitter complaining, Lance. So yeah. sorry, if you want us to complain, you need to start having brilliant matches. Great <laughs> promo though. His promos are top notch. And... I think he's now the premier big man in the company. He's kind of taken Farley's spot. Yep. And I, I feel that Farley, he's starting to be transitions. Just little things like 
You know, he had to cheat to be evil. And he's got Jado with him with the kendo stick to help him. Maybe they're starting to gradually phase him into having a more sort of ambassadorial role or, or connections with the Fale Dojo in bringing in talent from the New Zealand area. So, yeah, could, could be something to keep an eye out going forward. I agree. I, I agree with that. I'm going to be surprised with that. I, and, and, you know, the guy's paid his dues. He's been with the company forever, it feels like. Look, I, and again, anybody who's complaining about Lance Archer in this G1 is, is fucking lost. Fucking lost. Uh, you know, he's... He's, we had expectations, we had wants, we had things that we were looking forward to seeing from him, and I think he has exceeded everyone's expectations. I got no complaints about Lance Archer. Next match was Will Ospreay defeating Sanada in 17 minutes, 6 seconds with a Stormbreaker. Ask your question off the bat, David. Will Ospreay broke the Paradise Lock. Pants up or pants down? What do you think of that? I hate the Paradise Lock. I expose it for what it is as a fucking fraud. <laughs> yeah, and it did feel like he did do that. Um, uh, look, I would be very happy to never see it ever again. I, I just think it's silly. I don't, I, and I know it's pro wrestling people. You don't have to explain it to me. Um, I just, I just don't find it. I, I, I actually ugh, sigh of ugh, when I say it. It actually takes me out of matches. So I'm good. I agree with you, but. It either works as a wrestling move in the wrestling world, or it doesn't work. Right. So if Osprey's just suddenly bounced out of it, you can't do it anymore now. That's it. Retire the paradise lock, because you can't have it working on everyone else, but then one guy is suddenly, hey, yeah, I just got out of that, no problem. Right. If, if a guy like Zach, if, if Spaghetti Zach can't get out of it, why, how can Will, you know, yeah. It, it, trust me, when I saw it, I was like, he's going to get slapped right in the fucking mouth for that one. Like, I yeah, I was wondering if if that was a conversation beforehand. Like, um, Sayer, can I bust out of the paradise lock? Yeah, okay. I can't imagine that being a thing. Right, right. I mean, I he couldn't have been too happy with that. I don't know. It didn't feel like it was like a something that was talked about before back back in the locker room. He popped out of that like it was nothing, and I was like, Ooh. <laughs> oh, hey, all right. Uh, yeah, maybe he didn't have it locked on properly, uh, Joel. Maybe he didn't, you know, maybe, uh, Osprey was able to, uh, move his left arm. Uh, fucking nonsense. Paradise lock. Ugh. I don't know anybody who likes that move. I don't know anyone who does. I don't know anybody who sits there and is like, yay, paradise lock. Everybody I know is just like, oh, what the fuck? This move. All right. Uh, good match though, wasn't yeah. it? Like great transitions. I like the fact that it seemed that Osprey and Sonata knew each other's moves. They've been studying each other's moves. A lot of really cool counters between the Stormbreaker and the Skull Ends. They dovetailed into each other quite nicely. And I thought these guys really complemented each other well. Incredible closing stretch and just another notch in Osprey's character. And Sonata as well deserves credit because he's had two excellent matches with Zach and now Will. So good job all round. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and here's the one thing that I'm noticing with, with Sonata. And I don't know where he found this. I don't know what magic elixir he's been drinking. I don't know if he took a took a quick hop off from Dallas uh, to Mexico. Where's he getting this fucking uh, charisma from? Where's he getting this playing to the crowd stuff? Where's he getting this, uh, it seems like, uh, an awakening? Like, he doesn't seem like he is cold skull. He seems to be a little bit more fiery. And a little bit more passion, and a little bit more uh, flavor. 
um, in his matches. Am I am I out of my mind in saying this? Because it's adding an extra level that's making me a lot more interested in him than than just fucking him staring off into space. I'm digging it, uh, and and I'm noticing it. I had noticed it last year. He was doing that where he sort of kind of signals to the crowd, kind of jing them up. He wants some more noise from them. But he does seem to be doing it more effectively this year. Maybe he's seen what's happened to Yoshihashi and he's thought, fuck, I don't want to end up like him. I better start showing some charisma here. Yeah, that was the road he was on. I mean, there's only so far far silent brooding is going to take you, right? Unless you're a fucking complete badass, which which he isn't, you know, which he isn't. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, I don't know. There's something, there's something happening there to me and, uh, <laughs> something happening. No, I think he's, uh, I think he's finding something that wasn't there. At least I'm noticing something that wasn't there. A couple of questions here about Osprey. Kyle says, in light of Osprey being pulled out of the tag match today, do you think he continues the whole tournament or does he just tough it out through the Karakuan shows? And Nicole says, regardless of the final prognosis on Will's neck, does this serve as a cautionary tale for New Japan? Is this the last time we see someone work every tournament? Mm. We we had concerns last week, didn't we? This is, that's a lot what we were talking about. That's schedule. That's how we got into our schedule, schedule, schedule conversation. Um, look, he's going to get hurt. <laughs> you can't work that style and not work hurt. Um, I just think that they're being smart and they're saving him for the matches that are most important, right? I mean, I mean, yes, you could put him in an underneath tag and have him do his thing, and but he's stupid. We know, we all know, he's a dope, and he's not going to work a style. He's not going to be t-shirt will, right? That that's that's not a part of his vocabulary. So he's going to do some stupid dive in a in a meaningless tag match. To build up his match for his tournament match. You know it. He, here's what New Japan did. They did this for his own fucking good. Is what they did. Because he doesn't have the brains enough. To, to take a night off. Uh, and that's fine. I got no problem with it. He, 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 I'm sure he's working hurt. He's always working hurt. There's not a day on the calendar. Where that man is not working hurt. The company probably just had some. Had to step in and be a dad. And say no Will. We're going to keep you out. Because you don't know well enough to not do this shit in a meaningless six-man tag. So we're going to keep you out. Save it for the tournament matches when we really need you. What do you say about uh, Nicole's question about working every tournament? I think that's unnecessary. I don't think I need to see people doing best of the Super Juniors and the G1 on the regular. Maybe not on the regular. Maybe not on the regular. Um, it is a lot. It is a lot to ask of a person, but look, he wanted to do it. I, 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 how many times in the history of new Japan pro wrestling has this happened? Not many. I mean, you have your Devitts and you have ligers and, you know, but in the history of new Japan, this is not something that happens all the time. And again, especially adding in the element of, of, uh, the new Japan cup and then adding the element of the super J cup, J cup, not the J cast, J cup. Um, yeah, I mean it's in a you know he's 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 putting the pedal to the metal when it comes to this fucking shit. So, look, he's going all in in this year. He knows 
I think he I think he knows, he hears, and he wants to finally close out this year and be the guy who has his name as wrestler of the year. I think he really does. Um because to me, there's no logical reason why, any other reason why, uh, to do that kind of schedule. So to answer the question, yeah, I don't see the see this being something that they do every single year. And I think Will is having a special year and they want to make the most of it. Next match was Kazuchika Okada defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in 12 minutes and one second with a Rainmaker. Damon, I absolutely love this match. It was refreshingly short. It was an intense sprint where Zack, according to his own uh, pre-match interviews, he had his heart set on winning this and main eventing Royal Quest. So he threw all of his best moves, his best submissions, his best pinning combinations at Okada. But ultimately, he rushed it when he should have taken his time. This had lots of really cool stuff. It had callbacks to Nakamura, who I think was the last person to make Okada tap out with the flying armbar thing. Just amazing 2.99 near full kickouts from Okada. There were so many moments where I thought, I've got him, he's got him. And Okada's selling as well. I thought he was about to tap out for a few of those moves. Tombstone spot where oh my God, Zach yes. seats it right on his head. That one, yeah, very, very he, ouchy. He spread his arms and took it on his fucking head. Like the way he sold that pile was unbelievable. Like I, like I, I don't really recommend people doing that, but it looked amazing, right? And then notice how, like after that, Zach kind of reverses something, and then he puts him back into the octopus. And Zach is holding his—he's got it locked on. But then with the other hand, he's holding his neck. He's rubbing his neck. And then he's like slapping his hands because he's got the tinglys because of the fucking pot. I loved that whole minute. I thought was just brilliant. Brilliant pro wrestling. Honestly, Damon, this is my favorite match of the G1 so far. It's up there for me. It's in my top five. I know that. It might be my top three. Um, I watched it twice. Look, I love I love these two together. I am sorry. I, I I just don't understand how people can hand wave Zach. I just find him so fucking entertaining in the ring. I just love the, 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 the creativity. I love the fact that everything he does is with a purpose of hurting somebody. Like everything. Like you could go to anybody and oh he's got him in an arm bar and yeah, he's trying to wear down his arm, but okay. Everything looks like it is the ultimate in in inflicting pain and punishment, and the way that Zach he I love the way that he'll have somebody in a, in a, in something some fucking tying up his arm and shit, and I love how it watch his eyes and he's just scanning the other person's body to say okay oh there's there's the ankle whoop zip oh there's the other arm zip boop. I love the way that he does that like everything has a purpose and the purpose is to inflict pain and i think that that to me is the ultimate pro wrestler like there's not a wasted movement there's not a wasted moment and again we say it all the time what it might be the safest and i put that in air quotes style of anybody on that roster right i mean he spends 99% of the match on the, on the mat you know He's not taking crazy bumps. He's not landing on his head, minus that pile driver spot. So good. And then you add the extra element of maybe the greatest pro wrestler in our lifetime 
you had to not have a great match. And they did. They had a great match. And yeah, it's probably my top three for the tournament so far. And also the way he mixes it up with it. So I've got a mouthful of snacks. <laughs> what do you got? What do you I'm going, I'm, what do you, Power through here. What do you, what do you a little edit in here. What are you chomping on? What do you got? Mr. Corn. Mr. Corn? Yeah, it's like a mix of um, garbanzo beans. Oh. Um, I think this is like crispy corn pieces. Okay. Um, this stays in the show, by the way. Bolitas. What's that? It's like little balls of like crispy corn, I think. Cacahuetes. Uh, peanuts. And I think they're raisins. Ooh. It's a really nice combination. Really? I'm not feeling that, yeah. I don't like a raisin. <laughs> that sounds, that doesn't sound good at all. They're from Valencia. They're really good. Yeah. I'm really hungry because uh, Mally's probably gone out and have a nice dinner without me, but uh, oh, this I'm here just stuffing my face with snacks while we do this dumb podcast. <laughs> scale, what I was going to say. I'm sorry. Is, uh, scale one to ten. I just want to scale one to ten on the crisps. I know everybody's hanging on every word for the crisp talk. Um, these aren't crisps. It's a snack, so I can't. I can't answer that one. No. I did have again. This this friend bought me from Spain. She's bought me two special bags of crisps. One of them is fried egg flavor, and the other one, which I've already eaten, I ate earlier today, was um, Valencia paella flavor, which was great. Okay, doesn't sound great, but all right, I'm 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 there. I don't like raisins. I think raisins stink. All right, very good. What what else we got? Yeah, what I was going to say is I, the way Zach mixes in the flash pins as well. I think is the icing on the cake because you know he'll be wrenching. Your arm, your wrist, your leg, and then suddenly, bang, there's a European clutch and he's pinned you. And he's also got the Zach driver as well. So it's so much to his game. Great stuff. All right, a lot of people have been asking questions about Royal Quest because a few people, myself included, were convinced that Zach was going to get the win here and then challenged for the title at Royal Quest. That doesn't appear that it's going to be happening. So what do you think we'll be getting for Royal Quest instead? Well, I know that they are going to have an IWGP Heavyweight Championship title defense. That I know. I don't know exactly whom that will be. Um, give me some Do you name. think there's a chance that it could be someone who's not in the G1? Well, yeah. Could, yeah, I mean... Yes. I mean, we have a tournament we have to get through, right? We have a G1 that we have to get through. And I and I think that it's a safe statement that Okada is not going to go undefeated. I think that's safe. So you would think, okay, so if, if he takes a pinfall with someone, someone's getting a title shot. I mean, that was the whole thing with Zach. Could it be somebody who's not in? That would be a smart thing. You know, you sat there and talked about people who aren't in the G1, right? And who are, you know, being saved and, and, and again, being able to rest. I mean, there's one name that's pretty glaring. It's pretty popular and, and, and you know, seems, seems to be a popular guy, right? Um, so if you watch the... We're talking about the same person that I think you are. If you've been watching the backstage promos, someone who's been looking very, very, very pissed off lately and hasn't had much to say for himself apart from scowling at the camera, 
Yeah. I think we're talking about the same person. I think we are too. Yoshi. Hi. <laughs> uh, Enjoy all our <laughs> London viewers. <laughs> there you go. That's that's the beauty of not knowing a card in advance. Uh, no, I mean, listen, if you're uh, – look, if, if, if it's somebody that, like you said, that is – kind of waiting waiting in the wings and not doing anything, and I put that in the air quotes, I think Suzuki's a great guy that you could put in that spot. Um, I mean, it's not like we haven't seen that match in the past, but for that yeah, audience... It's not burning a, a first-time match, is it? But it's right. also a great match. I mean, when's the last time we saw it? Was it the last year's G1 or the Rain match? Which one came I, later? I think it was a G1 match. Maybe G1. Hey, keep it down. Uh, yeah. So I mean that's that's a good name, that's a good name, but again I think for me you want to see how this tournament plays out, right? Because I would think that. Well, here's the thing: if he, if Okada's losing in this tournament, right, and this is no disrespect to everyone in London and the and the Royal Crest audience, Quest Crest, um. If, if, if Okada loses to someone in this tournament, which he will, to me, that feels like that's a Japanese big show main event. Am I wrong in that? King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah. To me, that's where you do that. To me. I don't know. I think... I know this is not a hot take. But I think you got to wait to see how this this G one pans out. But to me, you take that G one loss and you make that a main event on a big show in Japan. Suzuki's not a bad name. Suzuki's not a bad name mm-hmm. at all. And especially last year, there was a IWGP title defense off the back of G one losses at Destruction as well as King of Pro Wrestling. So if you think they're doing one at Destruction as well, I can't see Okada taking many more than two losses in this G1. Maybe a draw. But, yeah, then you're sort of scrabbling around for something else for Royal Quest. So, who knows? We'll have to wait and see how the rest of the G1 pans out. But certainly, Suzuki is a guy who looks on menacingly in the distance. And I think he's got something up his sleeve. So, we'll have to wait and see about that. Um, Zach threw a little tantrum after this match backstage. He was throwing such a vicious tantrum that he knocked the, you know, the little screen thing with all the advertisers' logos and stuff. And he knocked that on the floor. So, Zach has taken losses to Sanada. He's taken a loss to Okada. I don't think Okada's going to be challenging for the RevPro title. We could get Sanada challenging for the RevPro title. Or someone else. Do you think we're going to see Zach uh, defending that RevPro British heavyweight title at Royal Quest? Yes. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a that's a given, right? I mean, I think. How do you not? How would you not have that? That would be a huge mistake. Um, right. I, I would think the odds-on favorite would be a Sonata, right? But I, you know what? I don't think Sonata is a big enough name. I don't think that's a match that British fans are going to think. Yes. We're going to see Sonata in a, a big title opportunity here. Huh. I think it's got to be someone bigger than that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's got a loss Who's his next him? match against? Let me have a look. Just looking at the schedule here. Um, Thursday, Zack Sabre Jr. will be facing another winless competitor in the shape of Hiroshi Tanahashi. Ta- Tanahashi, right? Yeah. Hmm. 
So someone is going 0-3. Oh, 0-3, oh, yeah. Mm. Do you think, do you think Tana goes 0-3? Oh, or do you think Zach goes 0-3? Oh, well, if Zach goes 0-3, oh, then there's another person yeah. who has a win over Zach and is also a big enough name to put in a big spot at Royal Quest. So yeah. just throwing that out there. Again, we'll have to see how the rest of the G1 pans out. But I think, admittedly, we have seen that match at the New Japan Cup. We've seen the Cup. And we times. saw it at MSG. And we'll be seeing it in the G1. So if they go back to that, that'll be the fourth one this year. Still a fucking good match. Holy shit, yeah. Alright, yeah, I mean, listen. I mean, if, if that... Even if... Again, let's wait to see what Okada's doing. Um, Sonata versus Zach, I would take. I would take that fucking right now. Um, Sonata... Or Zach uh, Tanahashi, if that pans out, I would take. I thought they had a good match at uh, Madison Square Garden. Um, hmm. Okay. Either way, I, I'm, I'd be happy with either one of those. I like yeah. them. Yeah. Anyone who's got a ticket for that, you're going to get a great show yeah. either way. I'm sure they're going to pull out the stops to put on some sexy matches there. So you don't have anything to worry about. And. We're both pretty confident that there will be an IWGP heavyweight title defense there. So we'll see. Wait and see how it pans out. All right. Next match then. We have, I'm on the wrong screen here, Akata Ibushi, who was defeated by Evil. 90 minutes, 11 seconds. Evil winning with the Evil ankle injury. Ibushi's got a bum ankle. Probably worked, but interesting. I mean, I, I, I say worked. I saw the bruises. I'm sure it is causing him some discomfort, but it's just the way that Evil was attacking it made me think, well, it can't be that bad if Evil was attacking it. It was the same as like Tanahashi's arm injury last year. When people start working on it, then you think, you know, okay, it can't be that terrible. But I think the fact that he's working with this quote-unquote injury is interesting. It's compelling. It's led to some interesting modifications to Ibushi's usual move set because he has a lot of knee attacks and he's having to sort of hop around and um, improvise on the flight there. But I thought this match was terrific. It had a really great intensity. It felt like a grudge match the way they started off very hot. Evil really brought it here. I think this is Evil's best match that I've seen in New Japan. Uh, 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 period. What about his Okada matches? What about his titled, titled shots? Yeah, I, th- I thought this was better. Really? Yeah. Wow. I thought this was good. I thought this was good. I don't know if it was as good as that one, though. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Evil doesn't do a lot for me. I'm gonna be honest with you. How's he? Fe- you like you like the evil? I think when you put him in a big spot against another top wrestler, then he delivers. But if you're asking him to deliver on a mid card spot with Someone who isn't so good. Okay, let's put it like this. I think he's only good as the person he's working with. I don't think he's capable of dragging an inferior wrestler to a match that is more than the sum of its parts. Right. Okay, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. It really depends on who's in the ring with him. That that I 100% agree. Um, and, and, and I think when you get guys... I think he works better with smaller guys. I don't think he works well with bigger guys. Or people who are comparable. Like a, like, an, like an evil comparable pro wrestler. You would think that he would. And I don't think that he does. 
I don't think that he does. I thought this match was was good. I don't think this was the best evil match I've ever seen. Which was your favorite one? One of the Okada ones from yeah. 2017? Yeah, probably probably a, a title challenge. Yep, yep. One of those leading up to... One of those where you thought, okay, there's no way fucking Evil's winning this title. Um, even with that said, I thought those matches were, were better than this. Okay, uh, next one was Kenta defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi in 80 minutes 35 with the go-to-sleep. Momentous matchup here. This was Noah versus New Japan. A, a real dream match that I think a lot of us never thought we'd see. And we have full-on grumpy prick Kenta here with the slaps. I love the bit where Tanahashi's doing the air guitar and then Kenta just kicked him in the head. And I like the way he got his knees up to block the high-five float, like the very last second. And he won! I mean, that's remarkable, isn't it? That Kenta beat the ace, Tanahashi, in the main event of a New Japan G1 show. I mean, imagine saying that five or ten years ago. You, you wouldn't believe it. And, <laughs> no. You know, a, lot, a lot of people are talking about the speed of Kenta. The speed isn't there, but there is the intensity, the stiffness, the anger that, uh, to me, makes it an interesting change of pace. I don't think... I don't think you need Kenta to be doing the crazy 100 miles an hour closing spread, stretch of reversals. If the Kenta matches are just going to be him scowling while he methodically kicks his shit out of you, then I dig it. And he did a really good cocky promo at the end he was calling out the fans who were sneaking out another fan who shouted out Okada's gonna beat you and he singled that fan out and then uh, a chilling backstage promo aimed at Lance where he said I am the fucking Kenta great promo I love that uh, what do you think of the match I loved it I don't look I know people are are dying to see 2008 Kenta everybody is I, I, you know, everybody had that vision in their head when he was announced as being in this. And, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, that, that that's a tall task. That, that's, that's not a, you know, for a guy who's, I think it's quite obvious that the shoulder injury and the recovery of that shoulder and his ability to keep his fitness high it's it's a struggle right he's not the same guy that's okay because i think even with you know as a, a notch below that kenta i still think you have yourself a, a pro wrestler who a is able to work with just about anybody in that company have a hard hitting kick ass physical pro wrestling match and it be compelling and good. Are you going to get super dangerous, high risk? Maybe not as much as you did before. Are you going to have a pace that is blistering? Maybe not as before. But again, I think even a notch below superstar level Kenta is a really solid fucking thing to have. Yeah, this was a bit of a dream match. And yes, it would have been tremendous if this were five years ago or eight years ago, of course. But I think you have a smart Tanahashi who knows how to get around his shortcomings physically right now and a smart Kenta who is learning how to get around his physical difficulties right now. And I think together you have just two smart pro wrestlers in that ring who were able to work a, a New Japan-style main event, maybe, again, not at that 2008 level, 
but at a very high level and a very uh, solid pace for any. If these were any other two people in that ring, I don't know if you would hear as many complaints. I think people are complaining based off of expectations and the past. And I don't know if that's the fairest thing to do. Right. Um, if these if these were any other two people, I think people would be talking more about these matches. But I just think that what bar was set by both of these guys, just physically, they just can't cross anymore. Um, so they're making do. And I say that making do. It's still great. But they're making do and trying to work around the handcuffs that they have with their bodies. A couple of questions here. Koss says, with Kenta being both Ibushi and Tanahashi, do you think he runs the gamut and pins Okada too? I had Kenta versus Okada for the title at King of Pro Wrestling, but I'm less sure about it now because I don't know if they have Kenta beat all three. I think it'd be, be pretty significant, wouldn't it? I mean, listen, if he beats all three, you would think that they have him locked down to some type of deal. We forget that we. I forget to ask. We forget to ask if if Kent is locked down for a significant amount of time. But if he I did beats, ask, but we we don't know yet. We don't know yet. Okay. Um, Do you think he'll be a royal quest? Hmm. Not announced, right? Not announced. I'm going to say no as of right now. Let's put it. I'm going to say no only because I haven't heard anything that he was going to be there. So he may very well. Uh, but we haven't heard anything. Let me ask you that. Well, no. I was about to say. I mean, Kenta. Give me a give me a, give me an odds on that he beats Okada. Uh, because that might so be good. your main event. What King of Pro Wrestling? I would put it there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big match. That's a sumo hall match. Give me odds. 50-50? Because then he's running the table. Then he's running the New Japan table at that point. The big guys. He's going he's gonna to lose like a fucking, you know, somebody, you know, just goofy. Like he'll just get a surprise loss. But if he beats Tanahashi and Okada, you got to figure he's, 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 he's put his name to a piece of paper. Yes. I would say 60-40 at this point that he beats Okada. All right, that's big. That's that's big. Do you, and you do that, King of Pro Wrestling, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. All right, there you go. What do you think? Of, what, let me get. What do you What do you think of his performance so far, Kenta? Well, it's not what I expected. I expected a bit more. But okay. I'm still really enjoying it. What you were you're looking for 2008, right? Yeah, maybe it was the fact that I was watching some of his best matches before watching the G1, which was a mistake on my part. You know, watching him having that classic with Brian Danielson. Yeah, you you get your hopes up, don't you? But I still think that a let's say a, a Kenta at 70 percent of his peak is still better than most other wrestlers on the planet. I would agree. I would agree. Um, he sets a bar very, very high. I mean, at one point, 
you could argue he was the best wrestler on the planet. That's a pretty that's a pretty high bar. Um, five years have passed. Surgeries, recovery of those surgeries. I think he's doing pretty darn, darn good, c- considering all that 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 he all that baggage he has. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really it. That I mean, that's really it in a nutshell. And I think right now you're looking at a guy who's trying to make do with the physical limitations that have been brought forth to him. And for the first time in his wrestling career, he's being asked to perform at a high level that he knows physically might not be there. Think about that mentally for a moment. It's not like he was asked to do this sitting down there in Orlando Loop. He was never asked to do anything that that he's being asked to do right now. Basically, what he's being asked to do is come back and be Kenta. Okay? There's a lot of expectations to that. And there's a lot of uh, pressure that might come with that. And now he's being asked to do that five years after the fact. Injuries. Recovery being fucked. That's that's got to weigh heavy on his head, let alone physically. Well, let's take into account his opponents as well. He was wrestling Ibushi, who fucked up his ankle, and then Tanahashi, who is looking a bit broken down these days. So we'll wait and see. You know, how, how does he do against more athletic, high-paced guys like you know, Osprey or Sonata or, or Zach or Okada, people like that? So let's wait and see. Right, and, and here's the thing. It's not like I'm saying three stars, right? No one's saying that. It's just that you're not know, getting 2008 Kenta. That's that's really the, basically what it is. How about this then? Dragon Owl says, based on what we've seen so far this tournament, how much do you feel Kenta's style has been influenced by his time in the WWE Performance Center and has this benefited him given his age? In my opinion, the match with Tanahashi in particular would not have felt too out of place on an NXT takeover, just with a bit more intensity. And I don't mean that as a criticism at all. So do you think there's anything to that, that the performance center, the WWE house style has helped him adapt the way he wrestles as he advances in his age and you know, physically not where he used to be? Yeah, but that's, I mean, I, I look, Nobody, nobody's asking him to do WWE house show style on, 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 in G1. No one. No one has that expectation. Nobody has, nobody's took him to a side and said, hey, work that, work that 205 style. <laughs> right? No, no one's saying that. No one's asking him to do that. They're asking him to be him. Look, he knows what this means. He's not dumb. He knows, he knows what, what expectations are on him. And he knows what, expectations fans and the company and what g1 means he knows not dumb um are there little things that maybe he could take from from that possibly maybe working a crowd maybe you know not go you know maybe easing off the gas transitioning between maybe sure um he'd be dumb not to but i don't think anybody's going in there and saying hey play to the hard camera <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they they're expecting go out there and fucking rip it up as best you can and 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 see where the chips fall. Yesterday's show, Monday, July fifteenth in Hokkaido. And the attendance for this one was six thousand nine hundred and forty six, which is up 
nearly 500 from last year. It was 6,489 for Jay White versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. So, again, business doing very, very well. And our first G1 match was Shingo Takagi defeating Toriano in 6 minutes 16 with a pumping bomber. I thought this was fun. I like the way they did the bit out of the ring with Yano sitting on a chair and then he set up a little assault course for Shingo to tackle. Although I thought Shingo made his way back a bit too quickly. It kind of ruined the drama a bit. And I also enjoyed um, the attacks with a very soft cushion chair. Very delightful and comfy there. And they re- repeated the spot that pinned Naito. So a nice little callback to the previous dangerous move that managed to uh, beat Naito. Lots of drama now. Like I said before, these Yano roll-ups, now that he's beaten Naito with it, then when he rolls someone else up, you think, oh, is he going to get him too? And I also thought it was notable that Yano went down to a signature move and the pumping bomber rather than a finisher like Last of the Dragon. Yeah, I like the fact that, that Shingo... Look, I think it would have hurt I don't want to say hurt his credibility, but Shingo needed to get the win here, right? This this was a, this was this was one of those ones where you're like, okay, this is a winnable match that he needs to to get through. Even even with everything that we just said about the unpredictability with Yano and all that, he needed to get a win here. If he took a fall here, that that that's not a good look. That's not a good look. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of circled this one as a win to begin with. Uh, he did. It was convincing. Yeah, I like. I, I, again, Goofy Yano. Uh, can, trust me. By 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 night six, do I want to see Yano doing this shtick? Probably not. But he does add an element of surprise. Um, I I. I kind of don't like the fact that that element of surprise might have been I don't and again not wasted but just used early because I don't know if they'll, they'll go to that well again but um again all the things we talked about with Yano in the past I I didn't necessarily feel it in this match like I didn't, didn't really feel that here um and that might have taken away a little bit from it but I expected Chingo to get a win here. I think Yano is good for maybe another two more wins in this tournament. I don't think he's only going to have one win, so I still think he's got a few left in the chamber as far as upsets go. Uh, Next match then was Juice Robinson defeating Hiroki Goto in 12 minutes 23 with a Pulp Friction, which I thought was really interesting given their past encounters. Uh, To me, it feels like Juice is above Goto in the pecking order. And rewinding two years, I think Goto did a terrific job helping establish Juice, uh, get him over in 2017 and 2018 as well. They had a, a great little saga between them. Nice little callbacks to their previous matches with Goto headbutting to counter Juice's left-handed god. And I just love Juice screaming, eat shit, before he punches him. It's, it, Juice has got a good scream. Just like slight hint of mania in there, which just, <laughs> yeah. just makes it really compelling. So I don't know if they're going to go back to the situation of Juice having a busted hand because he was nursing it after the match. But... What I love, like I mentioned before, I love that Juice has been positioned as a serious heavyweight contender. Like we talked about before, he's not doing the promos anymore. So just really interesting little twist there. And I thought this was a decent match. I thought it was a good match. I did. I liked it. And I and I, and I think Juice and Goto have a good chemistry. Again, I'm kind of going back to what I said earlier. The finish had me 